Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. So it's not just Ministry Partnership Weekend. We are also in part three of our sermon series called Mindset Masterclass. Can you say it with me? Mindset Masterclass. Uh, And what we're doing in this series, what we're studying, uh, is basically how we need a shift in the way we think. We we need to change the way we see things, the way we perceive things, uh, because the way that we normally do, the way that we just naturally see things, isn't correct. It's just not. We, we have a fallen world that we live in. We don't see things correctly all the time. Uh, and actually, we see that uh, uh, in science as well. We see in science uh, that we don't think about things the way that we should. So let, let me give you an example. And you can look at the studies on this. Um, our minds can really be broken down into the active and the automatic mind. Um, we have an active mind, which is high-level problem-solving which for you right now might be thinking about where you're going for lunch afterwards. You're like, all right, where, where can I get the best bang for my buck? Where is it not gonna be too crowded after church, right? That's, that's the active mind. You're, you're thinking on things actively right now, but that's a very small percentage of what your mind is working on. The vast majority of processes and things that you're working through on any given day are not controlled by your active mind, but your automatic mind. There are automatic processes that just kick in. If you've ever had this happen before, where you've been tired, you woke up, kind of just going through the motions, you drive to work, and whenever you park the car, you're kind of thinking to yourself, I don't totally remember, like, all of the drive here. Like it was, it was so automatic, like some of the turns and stuff, I'm, and here I am. That's your automatic mind, just taking over on some of those smaller tasks. Uh, and that's, that's what about 90% of what our mind concentrates on uh, or doesn't concentrate on is the automatic mind. It's just these automatic processes that take over. Now, if you're anything like me, that should scare the tar out of you <laughs> because my knee-jerk reactions, my automatic reactions to things aren't always the most helpful. They're not always the most Jesus-like. They're, they're, they're in need of some help. They're in need of some help. And so that's what we've been looking at in this series, how we can transform and change our mind. I wanna to read to you, this is our, our set of verses that we've been using for this whole series. This is from Romans chapter 12. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul writing, and this is what he says starting in verse one. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Can you tell the person next to you, it's the thought that counts? It's the thought that counts. If you're watching online, you can just declare it right now. It's the thought that counts. Did, did you notice what the Apostle Paul is saying here? Did you notice what he's saying? He, he, he's not saying you become a better person by acting like a better person, right? That's not what he said. He didn't say you become a better person by talking like a better person and just, you know, saying the right things. Paul is saying, no, 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 don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. It's the thought that counts. It's what we're thinking about that counts. It's, it's, it's what our mindset is that counts. And so for a lot of us, we started this year off thinking, hey, new year, new me. Like that's what, that's what I want. But unless you have a new mindset, there will not be a new you. It'll be 2022 you and 2021 you. It'll be the same you over and over again, just a new year, but not a new you. You want a new you, you want a new me, you have to have a new mindset by letting God transform the way you think. And so we've been uh, two, two weeks into this series. The first week we talked about how we can look at pressure, that we look at pressure as a bad thing, but we need to shift the way we think and see that actually with God's help, I'm better under pressure. God does his best work in me when the chips are down. And so we need to reevaluate the way we think about it. Last week, we talked about the idea that we need to reevaluate the idea of putting Jesus first in our life, that that's something we say, but we can easily fall into the trap of just making him first on a list. We check him off and then we just get on with the rest of our day. And Jesus shouldn't be first on the list. Jesus is the list. 
Like he, he, he is the list. He needs to be the center, not first. We need to integrate him into everything we do. And now today, uh, for part three, what I want us to do is read from Matthew chapter 16. So if you have a Bible and you'd like to follow along, that's where we're gonna be today, Matthew chapter 16. We'll have the verses up on the screen where you can follow as well. But just a little primer heading into this. Where we pick up, this is one of the gospels, so it's telling about Jesus's ministry. And where we're picking up the story in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 21, we're gonna see Jesus is getting closer and closer and closer to the cross. The cross has been looming since he took his first breath. It's been looming in the distance. And now this thing that was far off for so long is suddenly getting closer and closer. And Jesus is trying to prep his disciples. He's trying to let his followers know, hey, I know things have been kind of cool these last three years. I know we've been going around and we've been upsetting things. We've been preaching about the kingdom of God, that it's here. But man, some stuff is about to shift. Some things are about to change. And so he's telling his disciples, and that's where we pick up in verse 21. It says this. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. Verse 22, but Peter, <laughs> oh, Peter, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said. This will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. See, a few years ago, I, I preached a, a sermon where I talked about uh, the miracle math that works in the kingdom of God, that typically in mathematics, math always checks out. <laughs> like it just, two plus two is always four. Like it just, it always checks out. But in the kingdom of God, everything is opposite from what you would expect, miracle math. It doesn't work the way. It doesn't check out the way that you think it would. And so in the kingdom of God, what Jesus says here is absolutely true, that if I want to try to uh, gain life, it only happens by giving up of myself. It doesn't make sense. It's countercultural. It seems like this is absurd. This, this can't be true. But the more that I give of myself, the more I gain. So if you're a note taker today, our title is The Secret of self-care, the secret of self-care. We're gonna learn what God's word has to say about self-care and self-sacrifice. So if you would, let's bow our heads real quick and let's pray together and then we'll hop in. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would bless our time together, that you would bless these next moments. God, we don't wanna hear Pastor Jacob's opinion. We don't wanna hear my advice. This is not a TED talk. People are not here to be motivated or to feel good about themselves. God, we are here to hear from you. We're here to encounter you. We know that when your word is preached, you tell us that we are transformed, that we're changed, and we're believing that's gonna happen in these next moments. And as your word goes forth, it will accomplish the purposes that it sets out for, namely changing us more and more into the image of Jesus. Do that in these next moments, God, and we'll be sure that you and you alone get all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. We love you, and we pray all this in your name, amen. Amen, amen. So um, I'm gonna start off in a place that you're probably not predicting the sermon would start off. I wanna talk about sports betting. <laughs> sports betting. Who's been seeing all the like DraftKings, FanDuel, Caesar Sportsbook, MGM, right? Like you've been seeing all these things. It got legalized in Ohio back at the start of the new year and it's, it's everywhere. Like I'm on Twitter all the time. Like that's my favorite social media of choice because it's simple. It's just simple. Like I, li I like the simplicity of it. And man, every time I'm watching a game and I'm kind of following along with like live tweets, people are constantly talking about their wagers and their parlays and what they're betting and everything like that. Um, which, which by the way, I'll just say this from the onset, I am not endorsing or not endorsing gambling, okay? So don't, don't walk out of here today being like, Pastor Jacob told me the money line is for suckers. I need to bet the over. And like, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying, okay? Uh, but it has been really interesting watching people bet on these things. Um, so this one guy that I follow, um, I listen, I'm a glutton for punishment, so I listen to Cleveland Talk Radio uh, throughout the week, Sports Talk. And so I listen to 92.3 The Fan a lot. And uh, the guy who does the afternoon show, Dustin Fox, 
Last night, I was following him, and I saw he did a parlay bet, which if you don't know anything about betting, I'll try to explain it to you. Uh, a parlay is whenever you're not just making one simple wager, but you're making like a wager that builds on itself. So you're not just betting, you know, like today. I'm betting the Cowboys will beat the 49ers. You're not just doing that. A parlay is I'm, I'm betting the Cowboys beat the 49ers, and I'm betting that Dak Prescott throws at over one and a half touchdowns, and I'm betting that Christian McCaffrey scores a touchdown. And if all of these things hit, the reason people do parlays is if each leg of the bet hits, it's like compounding interest. Like you start getting more and more and more because it's harder for all of those things to hit, right? So this guy, Dustin Fox, he posted last night that he just did a wager for the heck of it. He did a $50 wager, uh, and what he was doing is he was picking the first touchdown to score of each game, who would score the first touchdown. And basically, just as a gag, he was like, I'm going to say the tight end for every team uh, is, is going to be the first person to score in the game. Like, that's what I'll just do, a tight end. So the first game happens yesterday, Jacksonville and uh, uh, Kansas City, and sure enough, Travis Kelsey, a tight end, is the first person to score. And so he kind of just tweets out like, oh, that's funny. Like, I just, I hit the first one. Like, we'll see, haha, if I can do the rest. The second game starts. Guess who was the first person to score? The tight end that he picked. Boom, suddenly he's halfway home, right? <laughs> now, here's the crazy thing. This is what's nuts. And again, I am not endorsing. I know right now people are gonna be like, I'm getting out my, I'm gonna download Caesar Sportsbook and MGM. Um, he, he's halfway home, right? He had a $50 wager. Today, if the, uh, the two tight ends he picked, I can't remember off the top of my head who it was, if, if these two tight ends score first in the early game, the Bengals and the Bills, and then the late game, the 49ers and Cowboys, his $50 bet will pay out $946,000. Like I said, I'm seeing phones come out right now. What app did, was he using? What, can I still get in on that action? Like, right? That's crazy. And it was funny watching him place these bets, like, or watching him watch the game on Twitter last night. Because, like, with everything that's happening, you can see, like, the excitement building in him. Like, through the Twitter update, like, oh, man, if this thing hits tomorrow, oh, my goodness. I mean, it probably won't, but what if it does? What if it does? Like, he's, he's so amped. He's so excited. He can't wait. But that's only one half of the sports betting coin, isn't it? <laughs> like, that, that's the rare instance what's happening with him. What's more likely to happen? You're gonna lose. You're not gonna hit. That parlay ain't hitting, bro. Like, it's just not, it's not gonna hit. In fact, you may have seen a horror story from this last weekend's NFL playoff games because this was big enough news that it didn't just hit people who follow sports, like it, it hit the general uh, news world. Uh, the Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers, were playing the Jacksonville Jaguars last week. The Chargers just opened up to a huge lead. They were up by 27 points, 27 points in that game, which in football is crazy. Like, that's just, that's nuts. Like, you don't overcome that deficit. It just doesn't happen. It hasn't happened. It's just not going to happen. So they're up 27. Well, one of the things that's interesting with these uh, sports bet apps is that you can bet in-game so it's not like a game starts and then boom, you're done. Like you can jump in as a game's already going and say, oh, well, I'll, I'll live bet now. So some guy out in Los Angeles was like, you know what? I know I won't get a huge payback on this because it's so certain that the Chargers are gonna win. They're up 27, but I'm gonna bet something. I'll just bet something to get some easy free money because it is free money. I mean, they're not losing. Who loses if you're up 27, right? So this guy out in Los Angeles placed a bet that if he would have got it correct, if, if the Chargers hold on and win, he's gonna get a payout uh, or he'll get an additional uh, $11,200. Or like, or yeah, $11,200. But to get that payout, you wanna know how much he had to wager? $1.4 million. He bet $1.4 million to only win 11,000, but he's like, oh, why not? It's, free. it's a free $11,000 because they're not going to lose. Anyone want to guess what happened in that game? <laughs> the, the Chargers blew it. The Jacksonville Jaguars roar back, win the game, and this guy was out $1.4 million. I, I didn't even bet any money, and my palms are sweating just talking about it. I'm getting anxious just thinking about that happening. I can't even begin to imagine, right? 
And so, yes, the sports betting world can look like that parlay that Dustin Fox has placed where it's like, ooh, it's exciting, and ooh, it hit, and it hit again, and ooh, what if it hits tomorrow, and what if these two guys, that's exciting, but a lot of times where that road ends is in a $1.4 billion loss. A lot of times where that road ends is, is you, you don't hit at all. In fact, you lose and you lose big. So why am I talking about sports betting to begin the sermon today? It's because I think the general basis of what we're talking about right now is kind of like the substructure that I want to build today's sermon on, which is this. Um, let me hit my main point, and then we'll kind of unpack it real quick. So our king, Jesus, our king and our enemy work in similar yet opposite ways, which might sound like blasphemy to some of you. You're like, Jesus and the devil have nothing in common. They don't work in similar but opposite ways. They do, they do. Let me read to you real quick. This is John chapter 10, uh, verse 10. This is one of the most famous pieces of scripture. This is what Jesus says. The thief, he's talking about the enemy. He's talking about Satan. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them, to give you, to give all people a rich and satisfying life. You see, our king and our enemy are similar in the fact that they both have a destination in mind for us and they both have a direction they want us to take to get there. So we see the enemy, right? Satan, he wants us to go to destruction. That's his, that's his end game for us, destruction, death. Jesus, on the other hand, he wants us to have a rich and satisfying, fulfilling life. They, they both have destinations for us and they both have directions for us to take that will get us there. Our enemy, what he does, it's so deceptive, it's so, uh, it's so smart, <laughs> it's so smart. What he does is he leads us down the path with little bursts and little jolts of life. Little things that feel a lot like betting on a parlay and one of them starting to hit. Ooh, that felt good. Like, man, oh man, that felt good. Felt so good to say that. Felt so good to do that. I'm gonna do that again because, man, this feels good and it feels good. And we just go down this road getting these little jolts of life that feel just good enough to make us take another step and another step and we don't even realize it's leading to destruction. We don't even realize it's leading to death because, man, it just feels so good. It looks so good. It sounds so good. On the flip side, what Jesus does, leading us to, to a fulfilling life, a life that, uh, that has a legacy, like we just talked about with Frank and Faye, that kind of life, that's what Jesus wants us to walk towards. But here's the thing, there's not little bursts of life along the way. There's little death after little death, sacrifice after sacrifice, denial of self after denial of self, and it's hard, and it can be difficult, and we can look at it and go, why would I choose that? Where's the payout? Like, where, where, where's, where's the reward for this? Why am I doing this? The road that Jesus takes on, it leads us to a fulfilling life, but it has little deaths all along the way which is exactly why we need what we're talking about today, why we need a mindset masterclass when it comes to this, because for all of us on your own, I'm just gonna be completely honest with you, on your own, without God's spirit doing something inside of you, there is not a single person in here who wants to choose this way. Like, I don't care how good you are, I don't care how kind you are on your own, I don't care about any of that. Not a single person in here, not a single person watching online, you're not good enough to say, yeah, I'm gonna choose death after death, sacrifice after sacrifice, self-denial after self-denial, I'll choose all of that. No, we want the other way, because it looks good. Again, if we're left up to our own devices, this looks good, it feels good, it sounds good, that's what we want, <laughs> and I'll prove it to you, okay? So for the majority of us, and hey, this is, this is an all-skate for me. For the majority of us, um, over here, the, the, the filling, fulfilling future when it comes to our physical bodies is being in good shape, having good health, being able to be around for a long time because you're taking care of yourself. But that's a pretty hard road to walk, right? That's pretty, on this side, that donut looks good. Like, I, I, I Taco Bell really hits at about one o'clock in the morning, doesn't it? Like all these things like, man, that looks good. Ooh, that tasted good. Wow, I wanna get another one of those. Is the drive-thru still open? Like that, those feel good, those look good, those taste good. It's ultimately leading to destruction. It's ultimately leading to physical unhealth. But man, it tastes so good. 
Whereas this, oh, exercise and salad, like a healthy salad, not like one of those salads, like an actual healthy salad, like, oh man, like this, that's not fun, right? That's hard, that's difficult. And that's why so many of us struggle on this side. And it's not just with our physical well-being, it's with our financial well-being, right? Budgeting, cutting back, saving, ew, like no. Like I had a hard day, I earned some retail therapy. Like I'm gonna go out and spend a little bit. Like, I, ooh, that looks good, a new iPhone. Yeah, I know I just got one last year, but this one has a new camera and I'm gonna get the new camera. And so you do all these different things because they feel good and before you know it, you're in debt up to your eyeballs. Like you're, you're just, you're, you're barely keeping your head above water because it's led you to financial, being just debt ridden, but it felt really good. And that's the majority of our country. Shoot, that is our country. <laughs> I just saw we, we, as a country, we raised our debt limit again. We're up to $31.4 trillion for the United States debt limit. That's nuts. That's nuts. But we sit here and we critique the government. Meanwhile, we've got our debt up to our eyeballs, right? It's hard because the enemy knows what he's doing, man. He, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to lead us down the path that leads to destruction. It's the same thing with our relationships, we want relationships that are healthy and people can say good things about us one day, that people can say things about us like they did about Frank and Faye. Like we, we want that for us, but you know, I'm not really a tactful person and it feels good to speak my mind and I don't really care if I hurt you because I just, I keep it real. So I'm just gonna say it. Ooh, that felt good. That felt good to tell them off. And that felt good to not have to couch the way I say things. And that felt good. And before you know it, you've burned every stinking bridge that you have. Nobody wants to be around you. Your kids can't stand you. But it felt good. <laughs> it looked good along the way until you get to the destination you never wanted to end up at. On our own, on our own, we are not going to pick the way of little death after little death, of little sacrifice after little sacrifice. That's because this, the, the calling of self-denial the calling of self-denial, it will always be confronted by the comfort of self-preservation, always. This road of self-denial, every single time you start to turn and walk down it, there's gonna be the call of self-preservation of, oh, don't do that. You deserve this. You earn this. Hashtag self-care. <laughs> like, just care about yourself. We see this take place in this story we just read about Jesus and Peter. Let's look at it again. Matthew chapter 16. Jesus tells his disciples, hey, the road I've been walking on, I'm, I'm like, we're, we're taking sprints now. We've been walking on this road for a while. We are closely accelerating to the cross. We're closely getting to where uh, I'm gonna make the ultimate sacrifice. And what does Peter do? Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Peter's saying, Jesus, take care of yourself. Like, what do you, you're, a good, you're the best person I know. You don't deserve any of that. You deserve this. You deserve people worshiping you and you deserve people lauding you as you ride into town. This is what you deserve. Oh, Jesus, don't, no, not over my dead body. You're not doing that. I'm not gonna let you sacrifice like that. Take care of yourself Jesus, self-preservation. Every time you start to make the move towards self-denial, you will have the, the siren call of self-preservation knocking at your door. If it happened to Jesus, it's gonna happen to you. <laughs> if he had this temptation come to him, it's gonna happen to you. Uh, years ago, whenever I was uh, moving to Cleveland with my family, we, we started a church up there in the Cleveland area. I needed to be a bivocational pastor uh, to support us. So basically what that means is I was a pastor, but I needed to work another job to bring in money because it's a brand new church. So I started working at Allstate, um, which at first I started and I was working in the claims department. Whew, that was brutal. That was not, for my personality type, having people call in and telling them that their claims were denied and stuff like that, oh my word, it was awful. I couldn't stand it. Um, but I eventually, I got out of that. I got into the communications department, which was much more in my lane. I really enjoyed that. And the pay was way better. I was making not that much. I was making just enough, not even really keep our head above water, but I was making enough to, you know, we weren't drowning too fast. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I was making just enough that we weren't drowning too fast. Um, but then I got, the, I got the raise and I got this new job and I was like, wow, this is way better. And I remember uh, getting a document that showed like, hey, if you're interested in progressing your career at Allstate, 
here's where you can go. This is what you can do. And it showed like the different levels of my uh, uh, area and what I could progress to. And not just that, but the pay bands. Like if you're this level of a communications consultant, you can make from this to this. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, are, are these real numbers? <laughs> is that, you really can make that much? Because up to this point, all I've ever known is church and church salaries, which we don't get into it for the pay, I'll tell you that much, right? Like, you don't, you don't get into it for the pay. And so I'm looking at these numbers, and I'm like, I never in my life ever, like, I thought the people who owned, like, the mansions made this kind of money. Like, I, I'm seeing numbers I've never seen before. I don't know of anybody who makes that. And I'm like, whoa, like, if I stayed here for 10 years, I could be making that? That's, that's crazy. And so I'm at Allstate, I'm doing that. The church that we started up there, we, it was just, it was time for us to stop it, for us to close it down, so we did that. And then the opening came up here at Cornerstone. And I knew, I've only had two times in my life that I've really truly felt like God was calling me to do something, only twice that I've really felt that. And one of them was a call to full-time ministry. I truly felt that. Even knowing that, even knowing that I had this call to full-time ministry, when the opening came here at Cornerstone for me to be able to come back and be a, a pastor here and then eventually take over as lead pastor, let me tell you, that was a hard decision. Like, I, I knew God's call on my life. I knew this is what I wanted to do. I knew all of that, but I'm like, can I really step back into that? Because <laughs> I'm seeing the pay scale over here, <laughs> and like, that's a completely different future than this one. Like, that's a, a whole different world, and it was hard. It was hard to make that trend. I mean, me and Jessica, we had to pray about it. We're like, man, this is gonna be a big change. It's gonna be a big difference. Can we afford to do it? Can, can we do it? And we prayed on it. And that's talking about my calling. <laughs> Not just like whatever. That's a, a calling from God. And I had the temptation of self-preservation rather than denial and saying like, you know what? Even if it's gonna be hard, this is, this is the lane that I know God has asked me to run in. The calling of self-denial will always be confronted by the comfort of self-preservation. Every single time, it will rise up and confront you. You will be tempted to reject God's call on your life, what God's asking you to do, to sacrifice like Jesus instead to, no, self-care. Preserve your time, your talent, and treasure. You deserve it. You own it. Why sacrifice? You earned all these things. You need all these things. Don't do that. And here's the thing, though. Whenever we view things from this perspective, whenever we talk to ourselves like that, like, Man, I, I, can't, I can't afford to sacrifice. I can't afford to give up. I can't afford to take that step of faith. When we do that, we are saying those words with such a limited point of view. Like we're, we're saying it and we are stating facts as if we see everything clearly and we don't. Like we are not seeing clearly. We have a limited point of view. That's why sacrifice will never make sense to self. Yourself, your capital S, self it will never, ever, ever be able to understand sacrifice, ever. Sacrifice is not natural, it's supernatural. By definition, it is otherworldly. It's, it's the reason, think about it, whenever you've seen like that, that horrible uh, shooting years ago, that Amish schoolhouse where people, uh, there was that school shooting there, and guess what happened? The people, uh, the parents rallied around the mother of the shooter, loved her, forgave her, supported her, did everything for her, and the world looked on stunned, Stunned. They could not comprehend it. They're like, how did, what? Like some people in the media were mad. <laughs> they, they weren't just blown away at the forgiveness. They were mad. Like, well, you shouldn't do that. Don't forgive those people. That's ridiculous. Now you're setting up a standard that other people should have to forgive. And that's just, that's asking too much of people. The world can't comprehend. We can't understand it. It's so otherworldly. Sacrifice will never make sense to self it never will. Listen to what Jesus says back when Peter tries to talk him out of sacrifice. This is what Jesus says. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things from only a human point of view, not from God's. Jesus is telling him, Peter, you think you see everything here. You think you're seeing clearly. You think you're educating me. <laughs> you don't see clearly. You have no idea what you're talking about. You, you, you don't understand sacrifice will never make sense to self. There will always be a reason to say no. There will always be a reason to say not yet. Um, one of my uh, favorite shows, you guys know this if you attend Cornerstone, uh, Seinfeld. Love, love Seinfeld. <laughs> Grew up watching it with my dad. I love that show. And there is an episode where Jerry, the, this guy, tries to befriend Jerry, and Jerry is just 
He's not a very good person, right? If you've ever watched shows, he's not a great person. He doesn't want any more friends. He's got Elaine, George, and Kramer, and he's like, I don't, like, no, I don't want another friend. But this guy wants to be Jerry's friend so bad. And so he tells him, he's like, hey, I got tickets. Nick's home opener, you wanna go? And Jerry makes up an excuse. He's like, ah, I can't make it, I can't make it. Sorry about that. He's just trying to get out of it. And the guy's like, that's okay, that's okay. Reaches into his pocket, pulls out the Knicks home schedule. Goes, that's all right. 82 games in a season, 41 home games. We'll find one that you can go to. How about this Friday night? If that won't work, what about Sunday? If Sunday doesn't work, what about Tuesday? And Jerry's like, oh my gosh, like what do I have to do to get rid of this guy? And later on, he jokingly says to Elaine, he's like, I feel like I need like an excuse Rolodex for this guy. So I can just like scroll through and get it. Which by the way, that joke is hilarious because only people 35 and up even got what I was just talking about when I said a Rolodex. Everybody under 35 is like, is he is a watch? Is he talking about the watch? What's he talking about? <laughs> but he's like, I feel like I need an excuse Rolodex just to be able to like pull out and pepper this guy with because he won't stop and I don't wanna do it. I don't wanna go. And I think for a lot of us that when it comes to sacrifice, we wanna pull out the excuse Rolodex. And not in a mean way, not in a, we're, we're not actively thinking about, oh, I wanna be selfish, but we're thinking like, oh, you know, I just, I've got so much, now's not a good time. I've got things going off the kids, now's not a good time. And my financial situation's kind of whatever, and now's not a good time. And we have every reason and every excuse to not model Jesus. Every reason and every excuse to not truly sacrifice in a way that will really be sacrifice, that will really mean something and change our life. We come up with excuses because, again, ourself, man, we just, we can't grap, grapple, we can't grasp, we, we can't understand sacrifice on our own. It is supernatural. That's why we need God's help. <laughs> right now, we're in a period of 21 days of fasting and prayer. You know why? Because we as a church realize we need God's help. We realize every dream and every bit of vision that we feel like God is calling us to, we are not gonna achieve it because Pastor Jacob is so awesome or because our ministry partners are better than any other church's ministry partners, or we have faith that nobody else has. Like, we don't believe that. We know if we're gonna accomplish anything, it's not gonna be because we're so great, but because we are so reliant on God, because we are so just seeking him out and looking for his help and looking for his counsel all along the way, and that's why we're fasting for 21 days. That's why we're praying like we're praying for 21 days, because we realize Left to our own device, we won't choose the sacrifices that we need to choose as a church. We need to see things differently, like God would see them, like God would show them to us so that we can make the decisions we need to make. And when that happens, when the Holy Spirit, whenever we truly allow him to speak in our life and show us things differently and we start to see sacrifice for what it actually is, we see all the benefits that this path gives us. Because it does look hard. It does look like little death after little death and sacrifice after sacrifice. But we start to realize, you know what? Yeah, this is hard, but man, sacrifice, sacrifice stretches you. It stretches you. It stretches me. Listen again to what Jesus says in verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. That's a stretch. Like, whew, you wanna talk about something to stretch you? talking about uh, uh, giving up your own way, taking up a cross and following Jesus. That's a way of surrender. That's a way of suffering. That's a way of submission rather than a way of self. Like that will, that will stretch you. That will stretch you. And as you are stretched, you will realize, wow, I actually prefer this over the other way because I'm being stretched and I'm being molded into the person that I was designed to be. That, it makes me think of uh, uh, marriage, like ma marriage uh, uh, relationships. Here, here's a little free marriage seminar real quick in the sermon. Um, why marriage stretches us so much is precisely because it is supposed to be about sacrifice. That's why if you are in a healthy marriage, it should be stretching. It should be pulling you. It should be difficult sometimes. A healthy marriage should be because it's supposed to be modeled and built on sacrifice. Think about where we, where, where we say our vows, where we exchange rings. Where does it all happen? The altar, <laughs> right? What else is an altar used for? Sacrifice. We read in scripture that's where sacrifices were offered at the altar. 
Not my way, your way. Not my will, your will. I'm laying it all down. And there is a symbolism in marriage that happens whenever we meet at the altar and say, I am putting to death my way. All the things that say, treat yourself, treat yourself, treat yourself, those are dead to me now. I am am not seeking out my best interest anymore. Now, every day from this day on forward, I am looking out for you, for your best interest, to try to meet your uh, desires and wishes. That's where I'm focused now. That's my prime uh, uh, goal from now on. That's why marriage stretches us so much because it's completely built on sacrifice. And that's why the people who are in the healthiest marriages are the healthiest people you know. They're, they're, They're some of the strongest people you know. Because they've learned, hey, sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice, giving up what I want uh, over and over and over again because it stretches us and it stretches us into the kind of people that we were created to be. It creates, uh, uh, it makes us more and more like Jesus as we sacrifice. That's what I'll say. We're never more like Jesus than when we sacrifice. There's nothing that we'll do in life or say that exemplifies and lives out who Jesus is more than sacrifice. I, I posted this on social media earlier uh, this week, and I mean it. It's, it is the, sa- and man, really listen to this. It's the sacrifices that we make, not the stances that we take that are the essence of our faith. We get that mixed up so often that it's all about taking a stand. Take a stand for God. You need to take a stand. I wanna hear you take a stand. Man, anyone can take a stand. I don't have anything against it, but anybody can do that. Like, how often have we been fooled by people who we thought were upstanding and, man, they have the best interests of the church and, and they're, they're just looking out and, man, because I, I, and you know how I know? Because I hear the stands that they take. Man, that pastor, whoo, the way he talks about divorce and the way he talks about infidelity and the way he talks about marriage, I mean, I know he must have a perfect marriage. He must love his wife because he takes a good stand. And then come to find out they were asked to step down because they've cheated on their wife multiple times. You're going, what? How? How? I thought he took such hard stands on marriage. I thought he took such hard stands on infidelity. How in the world could that happen? Anyone can take a stand. Anyone can say something, anybody. And we're fooled by it all the time. What you cannot fake is sacrifice. That cannot be faked. Absolutely. That, that, That cannot be faked. People don't do that. That, that is, again, sacrifice is supernatural. It doesn't originate with us. True sacrifice, sacrifice that is uh, modeled by Jesus, not sacrifice because I'm trying to save my kid or I'm trying to help my thing go good, but sacrifice that says, no, I'm trying to help even people I couldn't disagree with more. Sacrifice that says, even people who vote differently than me, I'm gonna love them like Jesus loved me. Like that kind of sacrifice, nobody does that unless they're truly being transformed by Jesus. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And when we sacrifice, when we sacrifice, we are never more like Jesus than in that moment. Than in that moment. That's again, uh, Frank and Faye, I know their personalities. This is killing them that I've referenced them this many times in the sermon. They're like, please stop talking about us because they're such humble people. But let me tell you, they are people who understand that. That legacies, that the fulfilling future isn't built on a stance that we take, but on sacrifices that we make, actually walking this road towards Jesus, giving up our preferences, sacrificing things to help people find the father, a family, and a fulfilling future. They figured that out. We need to figure that out. If we wanna walk towards the fulfilling future that God has in mind for us, it is the way of sacrifice every single time. So with that in mind, as we get ready to head into the final parts of the sermon today, this is what I would say. The secret of self-care, right? That's our title for today. The secret of self-care is this. I care for myself the most when I think of myself the least. The most healthy thing I can do for myself is think the least amount of myself that I can. (laughs) And I don't mean think bad about yourself. I'm talking about the time that you spend thinking about me and my wants and my desires. The most healthy thing you can do, the biggest impact you can have on your own life, you care for yourself the most when you think of yourself the least. As Jesus says, he says it way better than I do. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. (laughs) It's this miracle math. It's how things work in the kingdom of God. It makes no 
sense. Don't worry about saving yourself and you'll be saved. Try to save yourself, you'll lose yourself. Like it, it doesn't make sense, but it does in some crazy backward way. And we actually see this play out in different areas. Like for example, it's um, exercise, exercise. So exercise feels like death. <laughs> like it's just, it's not fun. If you're one of the people who's like, what's he talking about? I love going to the gym and getting a good sweat on. Come up, we'll lay hands and pray on you after service because you're, you're crazy. Like it doesn't, I, I've never been able to get into it to really enjoy it. Like I've tried, like I love playing basketball, but like lifting and all the different things, I just, I have to psych myself up for it every time. Like, all right, let's go, let's go. Let's go make the decision to do it because it's hard. It's hard because if you're doing it, it feels like little death after little death, right? Like that elliptical is a little death. That bench press is a little death. That Stairmaster is a little death. Like it's just, oh, and it's hard, it's difficult. And it feels hard and difficult. Like you, right? People are like, amen, amen, right? <laughs> About to get shouted down from this. But it, it feels difficult and it feels hard and it is. That's the whole point. Like you, you do it and you feel exhausted. You do it and you feel sore. You do it and you feel a little bit of pain. You feel like, and you're going, but it's supposed to lead to something good. And it does. Somehow, the thing that left you feeling so depleted and just without energy is actually building up persistence in your body. And it's building up endurance in your body. The very thing that took you out is actually building you up stronger than you were before. The thing that made you feel weak and like you couldn't, I remember playing basketball in high school. It was the worst thing. I don't know what our coaches were thinking. They had us hit the weight room before we went and played. So we would be in the weight room lifting and then you go out to start shooting and your shots are like, Ugh, like the balls are barely going anywhere because you're depleted and you feel weak and you feel exhausted. But somehow that thing that made you feel weak and exhausted and depleted is actually building you up and strengthening you. Whenever you exercise, whenever you lift weights, you're, you're literally tearing muscle fibers so that they will rebuild stronger than before. The same thing is at work in our walk with Christ. The things that feel so hard and so difficult as we do them, man, they're building something up in us. They're building an endurance. They're building uh, patience. They're building, uh, they're building us into the person that Jesus designed us to be. And it only happens, it only, only happens through sacrifice. You all can be praying for me. Me and my wife got a, a YMCA membership and I'm gonna be going to the Y tomorrow for the first time. So pray for me that I can be preaching to myself as good as I was preaching today. That I'm gonna, this is the path that leads to life, Jacob. This is the path that you need. Um, but Jesus, he modeled this his entire life. He just modeled sacrifice from, from first cry to final breath, sacrifice, sacrifice. Sacrifice, And as we get ready to close out, I want to read uh, uh, one part that just epitomizes Jesus' sacrifice and just sums it up. This is uh, the Last Supper, right before he's getting ready to be rested and go to the cross. This is what happens. One of the most beautiful priests in all of Scripture. John 13, 1 says this. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel he had around them. Verse 12 says this, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and asked them, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because it's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Verse 34, so now I'm giving a new commandment to you. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus, he was just sacrifice after sacrifice, over and over and over again, all the way to the cross. And it can be so easy for us to shrug it off and say, well, he's God, of course he was sacrificed. And of course he did all this stuff because he, he was God, right? He absolutely was, yes. And he was man. <laughs> 
It's one of the most fundamental building blocks of the Christian faith is that Jesus somehow is fully God and fully man, not 50-50, He's both. And so what that means is we can't shrug it off and say, well, he was God, that's why he was able to sacrifice. No, we know from scripture he was tempted with every temptation we face. Think about what we just read earlier this morning from Matthew 16. Peter tells him, Lord, you can never do that. And Jesus, he, he's, the reason he's troubled by it isn't because it's no big deal. He tells Peter, man, you need to shut up. You are a temptation to me. I can't hear this. I can't hear this. You're tempting me right now. Jesus has faced the temptations that we face and yet chose sacrifice. So we can't shrug him off and be like, well, he's God and it's an excuse for me to not ever have to sacrifice. No, we have to wrestle with this. How in the world was he able to choose sacrifice after sacrifice all the way to the cross? And I think we see why right here in John chapter 13, Jesus was connected to the source. Jesus knew that he had come from the Father and would return to the Father. He knew that God had given him authority over everything. And because he was connected to God, because he was connected to the source, when I'm connected to the source, I choose sacrifice. Jesus was connected to the source. He chose sacrifice. Because sacrifice, again, is supernatural. You will not choose it on your own. Unless you are connected to God, unless you are in relationship with the Holy Spirit, you will not choose sacrifice on your own. I need to make sure that I am connected to the source, that I'm connected to the Father, that I've got his spirit at work in my life because as that happens, I start to make the choices of sacrifice. I start to walk down the path that I should be walking down. When I'm connected to the source, that's when I choose sacrifice. When I see with help from the Holy Spirit that's when I choose sacrifice. And the last thing I wanna say as we get ready to close out uh, the sermon today is, is this. We do need the Holy Spirit's help so we can accurately see what sacrifice is. Because I would wager that for a lot of us, whenever we see sacrifice, this, this kind of ties back with what we were talking about at the beginning, we see sacrifice as like some sort of parlay. <laughs> it's a bet. It's a wager. I'm gonna risk my time, my talent, my treasure, I'm gonna risk my time that I only have a finite amount of, my money, my, my abilities, I'm gonna risk all of that sacrificing. Ooh. I would much rather invest it into self. <laughs> but you're asking me and you're telling me that Jesus wants me to risk all of those things. Sacrificing? Ooh. What if it doesn't work out? What if I sacrifice financially and it doesn't work out? What if I sacrifice my time and it doesn't work out? What if I sacrifice and it doesn't go the way I was hoping that it would go? It feels like a bet. Like it's a 50-50 shot of it could hit or it could not. And I would say that's the wrong way to look at it. It's the wrong way to look at sacrifice. This is a better way. Has anyone ever seen uh, Back to the Future 2? We're all my people who are sanctified, washed in the blood of the lamb, and you've seen the Back to the Future movies. There we go. Um, Back to the Future 2, it's obviously, it's a time travel movie. Um, uh, and in the movie, there's a, a bad guy, Biff Tannen. He's, he's a bad dude. He's, just, he's, he's one of the all-time worst villains. He's just a bad guy. And in it, his older self from the future gets access to the time machine. He gets the DeLorean. And he does something very, very smart. <laughs> he has the Gray's Sports Almanac from his time, from the future. And it records the final results of every sporting event of the last 50 years. He goes back in time to his younger self, to his self in high school, hands him the almanac, says, hey, hold on to this book. <laughs> You're gonna wanna start placing some bets. You're gonna wanna start making some, some wagers. And for the younger Biff, you're like, what? I, I barely have any money. I'm a kid in high school and you want me to like be putting all my money into like risk to betting money? Old Biff's like, look, this ain't a risk. <laughs> it's rigged. I can guarantee you, I guarantee you, you will never miss if you follow this. If you follow this almanac, you're never gonna experience a loss. Whenever you follow the path of Jesus, Whenever you choose the path of, path of sacrifice, it's not really a sacrifice as much as it's an investment. And, and I can promise you, it may not look like what you always thought it was gonna look like. It may not be exactly what you thought it was gonna be, but the game is rigged. <laughs> 
As long as you choose sacrifice, as long as you choose giving up your life rather than trying to save it, rather than self-care, rather than self-preservation, as long as you choose this way, you can know, man, the game's rigged. I'm gonna end up where I need to be. God's got my back. If I, if I give my complete and utter obedience to him, I can trust the outcomes to him. And I can know that no matter what comes my way, it's gonna be a winning hand. It's gonna be a winning hand. It's not a sacrifice so much as it's an investment. So the last thing I wanna tell you uh, as we close out today, when it comes to sacrifice and whenever it comes to a way of life that we just need to embody as Christians, Jesus is still asking the same question he did to his disciples in verse 12. Do you understand what I'm doing? Like, do you, are you following me? I think Jesus in that moment, he, he's not even just talking about washing their feet and saying, do you understand what I'm doing? Jesus is saying, have, these last three years, have you been picking up what I'm doing? Have you really been understanding this? Because I am, I am showing you a way of life. I'm showing you what the kingdom of God looks like. And it's not self, self, self. It's sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. And if you do that, you will end up at the fulfilling future I had in mind for you, that I designed for you. But it takes you shifting the way you think and seeing sacrifice, not so much as a sacrifice, but as an investment. Can I pray with you real quick? Let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Father God, help us through the power of your Holy Spirit. We know we can't see it on our own, but through your Holy Spirit, we can see the supernatural qualities of sacrifice, what it can do for our life, how it can change our life, how it can lead us to the fulfilling future that you have in mind for us. But God, we know that we won't choose it on our own. We need your help. So God, give us your Holy Spirit in full measure to, to help us to see things for how they truly are, to see sacrifice as an investment in ourselves, to see suffering and pain and hardship for what it is, things that can prune us and shape us and mold us more and more into the image of your son, Jesus, because we know that that's what this is all about. That's why we're here today, that all of us could become more like Jesus. So do that, God, and we know you do your best through our sacrifice. So help us to be those people, people who willingly give up knowing that it leads to the life that you have in mind for us. We love you, Father, and we lift all of this up in your name. Amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.